Guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we get started, as ever, remember that all the information you're about to hear is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure or prevent any illnesses or diseases. Please make sure to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of the things we may discuss in this podcast. Speaking of education, if you're an exercise professional, coach or anyone working within the realms of health and fitness, when you're done listening here, make sure to head on over and check out our education portal at www themusclementors.co.uk if you like us and truly care about the well-being of your clients about getting access to the best and most up-to-date information in the areas of exercise mechanics hypertrophy sleep improving your online coaching services and much much more then be sure to join up you'll gain access to endless hours of content focused around everything you need to become a truly elite coach and get your clients in the best physical shape possible this is all in the form of video lectures weekly live education sessions and study groups you also get early access to our podcast and access to any exclusive Q&A segments we do with our guests. The content never stops on the portal. It's not a one-off course. It's an ever-evolving learning platform designed to give you the best information possible in this area. Head on over to our website and become part of our epic community, full to the brim of other professionals who, like yourself, are focused on providing the best health and physique-related results for their clients. Join us and them and gain the resources, support and accountability you need to become the elite of the health and fitness industry. For now, though, grab yourself a pen and paper and enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Um, myself and Cal, joined by an OG guest in the form of Dr. Amelia Thompson. Um, thank you for coming, Amelia. How thank are you? Thank you for having me. I am well, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. good. Very good. Cal? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. Nice. 11 minutes late, but we were both late, so it's fine. <laughs> Terrible. Um, I was on time. I would just like yeah. to see I was on time waiting. Yeah, yeah. The uh, standard muscle mentors winging. Um, yeah, it's uh, kind of what we're known for at this point, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, the, uh, but no, I mean, what just starting out then, essentially, I thought it'd be good to, I wrote introduce, but it's really reintroduce for those that have, obviously listen to previous episodes but for those that don't know you in case of introducing yourself um you know what have you been up to in terms of like bringing bringing people up to date with your coaching your educational and like these new therapy-based ventures which are pretty cool yes so i am yes i have i'm trying to think where to start i'm a nutrition consultant and i'm an educator in sport nutrition and exercise nutrition and I have a PhD I don't really have anywhere for that conversation to go I just like to put it into the conversation whenever I introduce myself um, and I run a coaching team just under my name and we provide holistic evidence-based compassionate coaching person-centered coaching and I also run EIQ nutrition with Emma Story Gordon which is an online education course again it's a holistic compassionate based um compassionate evidence-based nutrition course so we focus predominantly on you know the fundamentals the nutrition fundamentals but then we go a lot more into things like mindfulness and menstrual cycle and compassion how you use compassionate based coaching to support your clients or yourself so it's not just for coaches through those transitions menopause pcos all of that stuff as well um and i'm also a student therapist that was the last part. Um, so I'm studying counselling and therapy to do my start my master's this year to do probably this year to do psychotherapy. Um, so that's where I'm at now. So I kind of use a lot of the stuff with my clients already, 
but mm. kind of unofficially. So I'm just yeah. basically doing the official stuff and learn some more. Yeah. So that was because that was the thing because because it, it well the face value. I mean, it seems to mark a a relatively big change in the direction that you're taking or planning to take your coaching business. But the um, I mean, is it is it just a case of you currently do a lot of that stuff anyway, and now it's just digging in a little bit deeper? Kind of, yeah. Like I'm like you guys. I I hate to work outside my scope of practice, and so as much as I will read all the CBT books and DBT books and ACT and we'll talk about some of this I'm sure so much I read all of those books and take the kind of tasks and, and utilize them with my clients I don't have the fundamental underpinning um, person-centered approach like this the specific training and I don't have the hours behind me and also I'm 34 and I want to be able to work with people continue working until I die and I don't want to necessarily be doing that through social media until I die because that's not really me so it gives me another avenue to go down and also in EIQ especially we teach a lot of this stuff mm. um and I do a lot of workshops around say emotional eating and and you guys know a lot of the problems that come with eating are nothing to do with nutrition and so yes we need to know the nutrition but realistically it's actually about the stuff behind that um either chronically or acutely so I think is really important that we start to get a better handle of that as an industry. Amen. Because because that's the thing. Like, there, there's a very clear lack of education for PTs when it comes to areas like this. And given our jobs are centered around helping people change, it makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, that people like you are delving into it deeper. Like, was it something that you always planned on doing, or was it like something that happened more organically based on? the style of coaching that you seem to have undertaken since stepping away from competing because that was like the mark where you shifted wasn't it mm-hmm. like everything I think it's pretty been pretty organic for me I've never had an idea of what I want to do really I just kind of fall into each one as I go and I've been quite lucky that when I've fallen into things they've been kind of niche areas for me to fall into openly um and I've just fallen into I've fallen into it because I did I've, I've done my life coaching qualification I never say that because I'm, I don't want to I'm a life coach so that's just kind of so on my CV there but it's not something that I kind of advertise myself as and that is basically person-centered coaching over a weekend with a manual that's kind of what it is with a big spiritual kind of um additional part to it and obviously I'm a really spiritual person so like I, I I've done that before and so that's kind of pushed me in this direction but um I think it's I think it's been really organic I don't really like to plan these things I guess I guess it's probably been the same for you guys in terms of you clearly fell into a really niche market and since you have started there have been other people kind of coming up I can see trying to fall into your little niche market but it doesn't it didn't necessarily to me I mean I didn't know you guys before you started but didn't necessarily look particularly planned it looked like you just filled the gap that was there quite naturally still not planned at all it is true but I think it's kind of dictated by our our passion and that's obviously yeah. what's happened there with you like you have those interests of the areas that you're kind of keen to learn about and then you're like oh like that's you know this kind of interests me and it fits in with what I'm doing from a professional standpoint as well mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and I think when it comes to coaching like if I don't coach in a traditional way I don't coach in the kind of metrics at well sometimes I'll take metrics but I don't I'm not really I'm not a very quantitative coach mm. um and I've seen some of your guys stuff and I know how quantitative it is that's not nest that's not really how I work so I need something else to back myself up otherwise I'm going down this kind of therapeutic route without any sort of backing of myself 
why I'm doing it. Mm. So I just, I, I mean, I'm a scientist, so I need some sort of credentials to kind of let me sleep at night, really. Mm. Yeah. I mean, ours, ours is, yeah, like I think originally, and that's, I mean, it goes back to what I said, there's a serious lack of education in the area. Like even starting out, I can say I didn't learn a lot about this. It's only more recently that that's been the case and probably since knowing you um, and like our, you know, we brought in more of that kind of, qualitative angles for everything we track with you know and and the quantitative stuff is still there in terms of we like to track data and we'll have clients to do that but it's definitely evolved and how we've done it and we brought in you know more stuff in relation to behavior change and understanding psychology a bit more as we've grown our own understanding um, which mm -hmm. has been big in terms of how we've changed it and you know that's a uh, it's it is fascinating because it's the um well, it's the it's like fundamental thing of what we're doing, essentially. Like I say, we're you know, helping people change, right? Yeah, but you're totally right. You don't get anything. You don't get good nutrition and you don't get good, quote, unquote, I'm going to use the word mindset here just as a kind of colloquial term, but you don't get any of that in your PT qualification at all. And and so we can't blame people for not actually knowing these things. Um, it's not it's not necessarily their fault, although they should, you know, there's so much, there's such an abundance of courses that now, like the Ross Mentors, like EIQ, that you can go to and learn. So there's, there's not really an excuse for it anymore. But at the same time, it's completely understandable. It's just not there. But but it's so vast. The, the depth that you have to go to to really understand this stuff is so vast. Mm. Again, I don't need to talk to you guys about that. Like, the depth of some of your stuff, I'm just nodding along with. Um, so you, you get it. So I don't know how you would implement that in terms of like a basic, basic education. But then I've had this discussion with other people in terms of if you're a coach and you know this stuff, how you then apply it. The the equipment and the, so for example, portals and stuff like that, they're not set up for holistic coaching. They're set up for meal plans and macros and data and yeah. maybe one or two questions. So it's really difficult as for coaches to to step into that role and think how do I even start doing this holistically which is why my updates and check-ins with clients always take me forever because I just sit down and write them an essay half the time because mm. until I figure that part out it's really difficult to for a coach to implement some of that stuff mm. is it, I mean how much of your work then is like because I imagine the face-to-face -face communication would be of benefit there so do you do incorporate that or are you still very email based and things you do? Yeah, I do both. But I think written is really good because it allows people to use their check-ins like a diary. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my clients like to screenshot what I say and come back to it. So, for example, I'll do things like set them like a CBT based task mm -hmm. and it will have there'll be a graphic for them and there'll be an explanation. And so there's no point in me saying that to them face-to-face -face. moving forwards that will be something to do when I'm qualified but at this point it's like these are this is the model we're going to work with you're going to write it out and draw it and, and kind of keep it with you as your little task so to speak so they I think often you get much better communication when people write stuff out you know I've tried to go on videos before but actually I don't think you get as much vulnerability with people and especially with the work that I do with people who often are overeaters or they binge eat um, or they might secret eat or they've got a lot of shame actually vocalizing that in person can be really difficult and writing actually usually tends mm. to be more effective yeah that makes sense the um i mean it's something i can relate to in, in just even in areas of like if i've if i'm trying to explain something in terms of like some sort of 
science-based concepts, whatever it is, sometimes I'll write it out before I'll try and speak it because it allows me to have that a slightly more, like, a fair amount more clarity of over the, the actual content. I'm like, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. As opposed to just like try and speak and you're like, I needed, I needed more time on that. Um, I'm not so, going to comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, 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 but yeah, I think the the written word and stuff is is cool. Um, it's something we do less of to be fair like i mean i mean i know i do like most of my i get clients uh, to do a lot of their communication with me is very typed based in terms of they'll send me emails with lots of information but then the check-ins themselves i usually jump on calls with them um because i like the the interaction and being able to pick up certain things that you can't get in in the written word yeah, in terms mm. of emotion behind some of the things they communicate and the words they use and the body language and stuff like that. I mean, is that stuff that you is brought into the stuff you're learning about or, or is that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that kind of falls into the realm of things like motivational interviewing and again, like person-centered coaching, which involves a lot of listen and a lot of open questions. And so when you're on, in a conversation with someone, it's a lot easier for you to sit and listen and just ask open questions and get what you need from them. Um Whereas again, so with my updates, it will I will just feed back to them tons of questions. And I've had this discussion with people before. Like I can have a client for two years and I'll set them nutrition targets like a couple of times. And then the, the rest of the coaching coaching um, communication is just constant questioning, constant motivational interviewing every single week for two years. You know, we might throw some helpful habits in there in terms of like there's specific nutrition. Um, but it's it's not any of that stuff. And so, yeah, I think... I think having those conversations is going to be really useful. And I do have some clients who, who I will converse in that way with. Um, but it's a lot, it's a lot. Like if I'm asking someone, for example, um, so if someone says to me, I'm scared of getting hungry. So I always eat. Like that's quite a common thing that, that people experience that have been dieting or that overeat, for example. So, well, where do you think that might have come from? Um, can you think of a time when you were younger that that might have come up for you that you had to go hungry and that it, caused you some distress in some way and it's asking all these types of questions that I don't expect someone to be able to answer on a phone call mm. that they have to go away and go actually when I was younger this happened mm. and so then it's not like an instantaneous kind of question time but mm. again once I am more trained in that I suppose it will be slightly more instantaneous because you can go deeper but in half an hour you can't really get that deep into a conversation so I like to give people time just to mull it over mm. no that's cool and I, th- I think that's like the, because therapy is in a large part built upon a therapeutic relationship where, you mm. know, fostering an environment where the client patient feels, feels safe, you know, safe enough to explore these things that they've not never possibly never talked about with other people. But so, you know what, you've just touched on such a good point in terms of coaches, because there are, in terms of the therapeutic relationship, like, our job, I would say this applies to coaches, and this is why I think it's a really good point. Um, if we're looking at person-centered therapy, which is like, a, there's different types of therapy, right? But there's humanist, you can take a humanistic approach, which includes things like Maslow, includes things like person-centered therapy. And um, this specific theorist was speaking about the three core conditions that we need to support a client to change. And so as coaches, we need to be doing these things. And the three things are... Um, congruence with yourself which means you as a person know yourself you know your values and you constantly act in line with your values so if you have coaches for example who talk about anti-diet but they bodybuild 
as an example, um, that's very incongruent. And so what happens is that if you're working with clients, they don't feel that they can be totally themselves and therefore change because you're not modeling that behavior. So it's about being authentic, basically. And I know that's such a buzzword right now, but that's where we're at. Um, the second is empathy. So again, um, we as coaches all need to have empathy. And I don't think you're a good coach if you don't have empathy. But this is where I struggle with online. Um, people who educate, but and yet they belittle people as part of their education in the sense of like you see this a lot like you guys will see this a lot I'm sure um it's not about it's not about teaching complex things it's about teaching complex things but telling people they're stupid for not knowing them and I think that if you if you have empathy you don't behave that way but empathy is in, is so important in terms of how you get your client to feel that they can trust you and if they're watching you being unempathetic online, for example, they're not going to trust you in terms of an empathetic relationship and, and you're not going to get the best out of them. And the third thing is unconditional positive regard, which is basically sitting with your client and not putting a positivity spin on everything, but saying, yeah, I understand that must be really hard. And not saying, I can't freaking believe that you overate. Um, that's not good enough, try harder. Because that in itself... And I've spoken about this on Instagram and we can go more into that if that's something you want to do, but that exacerbates guilt, shame and exacerbates these negative behaviours. So as a coach, you need to be able to, someone needs to be able to come to you and say, I've done this, this and this. And you have to be able to sit there and say, okay, that must be, that, that must be really tough. I understand what you're saying. I hear you. Let's move forward from it. And so if you've not got those three, three things as a coach, you by definition are putting yourself on the back foot for your client to progress because you, you've not set up that therapeutic relationship with your client. I don't care how you coach. You don't need to be a holistic coach to still have all of these things in place. Mm. Um, and I think it, I think it really manifests on Instagram. And I think you can see it on Instagram in terms of how people market themselves and things. And I think it's quite sometimes it can be quite obvious where that might be lacking. Mm. And I think that that probably translates with clients. Although obviously I, I don't know these people's clients. Mm. It's not specific people. So so yeah. So 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 when it comes to essentially fostering that kind of open relationship, you you need that those you want to take those three three approaches um in terms of i imagine that isn't something that coaches are going to be able to just be like boom i'm going to do it tomorrow done <laughs> that takes some time but are there any strategies that you found that help clients themselves like you know when it comes to exploring these things within themselves and stuff like and in relation to those three points like anything mm. on that front or is that yeah well i think yeah i'm just trying to think of some examples like if we look at for example congruence the, I, I guess you do see this a lot in the industry because i was one of these people who competed but then talked about health and then i just kind of kept getting lost because i wasn't congruent and so i think this is the key one for clients and for coaches but one thing that people don't do enough of and again this is kind of a buzzword at the moment and I kind of hate it for that but here we are again is knowing what your values are in terms of if you're a coach your business and your personal but if you're a client what your values are um and actually sitting down and saying well, like, what is important to me right now often we say well I value I value competing or as an example and it's like what does that even mean to you because if we look at fat loss for example people often think that they want to diet to get leaner fine but often, and this is something I see a lot with people, they think that they want fat loss to be leaner, but actually what they're looking for potentially is acceptance. They think that if they get leaner, that they'll find a community and they'll feel accepted. We know that that doesn't happen when your body changes. Sometimes people are looking for love 
and they think that if they get leaner then they'll foster some good relationship and fall in love with someone and it's like again that's not going to happen when you with dieting it's not that it won't happen but that's not where you're going to find it from and you can look at dieting covers a lot of these things people are looking for a lot when it comes to dieting um and often it comes from like looking for our unmet needs so if we look back at again if we look at the kind of therapy side of things and we look at some of the psychological research you guys have you heard of i'm sure you have maslow's hierarchy of needs mm-hmm Right. So if we think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, if people are not aware of it, it's basically like a, a pyramid of needs that you need met to at the top it's self self actualization, which is basically where you feel completely congruent and you live in line with your values. Um, but if there's an unmet need in there, so a couple of stages up, there's things like um, love, there's things like belonging, family, etc. Often we use food and exercise as a way to try and meet those needs and so dieting often it's not just dieting but I'm just using that as an example often dieting or emotional eating people fall in to try and meet those needs thinking that they value aesthetics which is fine you are allowed to value aesthetics but they think that they are valuing aesthetics or they value health or they put diet conducive is conducive to health which is not um yeah so so when people are incongruent, this is where they have distorted relationships with food because they think um, I'm going to meet this need by dieting and it doesn't happen. So they get to the end point of their diet and they still feel lonely. They still feel disconnected. They still don't have this relationship and they're still not in love. And then they're like, well, what else? I just need to keep dieting. I need to change my body again because that's their that's their go-to for meeting these needs. Um, and so values checking is so important. It's something I'll do with all of my clients. Um and a really easy way to do it is to like, you can Google like example core values, right? So you'll get hundreds of example core values. And I did this in my emotional eating workshop actually, and I've got some really good answers. Things like, you think of things like health and family love, but then I got things like legacy was really important, self-fulfillment, and they're all awesome values to have. And if you say to someone like, you know, what's important to you right now? And then you can say, right, give me a list of five things. And then you talk them through and you say, right, what's more important to you right now? let's say health or aesthetics what's more important again love or aesthetics and you can basically get like a top five Mm. and then that and then you can start to look at people's behaviors and how they align with these values and there's a thing called the choice point model which is basically a model that we use with um, acceptance and commitments commitment therapy which is like the type of therapy that's often used with emotional eating and the choice point model is basically um if you think of like an upside down triangle kind of and at the bottom of that you've got this choice point and the choice point is basically let's use emotional eating as an example or binge eating as an example once you have been triggered by something whether it's a mood or a certain food or something you have this then choice point that says i'm either going to take an action that's in line with my values and it's going to push me towards my values or I can take this action and push me away from my values. Mm. And if you like draw this diagram out in your head, so at the top two points, you've got value consistent, value inconsistent. At the bottom, you've got choice point. And then you can write down strategies for yourself that say, like, this is my value. I value, I value, I don't know, say it's fat loss. Say you've got somebody who is in a larger body and they're looking to support their health through fat loss. Um, down the kind of value consistent side, you'll have things like, um, Uh, my strategies here are to go for a walk if I feel like I want to overeat or my strategy here is 
like things like our link on Instagram, like implementation intention, where you have an if when situation. If I feel triggered, then I will do something else. Um, and then on the value inconsistent side, it'll be things like overeat, or it'll be things like um, usually it would just be overeat if we're in this situation, binge eat, etc. And having that kind of idea what your value is, first of all, but then having this kind of diagram written, like basically written out, you can keep it in your kitchen, you can keep it on your phone that says, right, I'm just going to check into my values here. What what decision here is in line with my values? And then you can make that decision accordingly. And it comes from a place of not of restriction, but of empowerment, because you say, well, I'm acting in line with my values and that makes me feel empowered. And that's what we talk about when we talk about authenticity and self-actualization that's when you're acting in line with your values that is a really empowering feeling that's actually where you feel least anxious least insecure um and that's with therapy that's what we're trying to get people to get to and yeah. so it's a it's it, it's quite basic but it can be really really effective for people if they if they keep saying things like why do i keep overeating when i want to lose weight or why do i just keep not why do i keep skipping training when i know that um, competing is important to me whatever it is um, it doesn't have to be overeating, but you can use this in any part of your life. It doesn't even have to be around fitness and health. It can be anything. Mm. Um, so that's quite helpful. So, so when it comes to like picking values, because we, we, I mean, I, we, we did this as a as a group when it because we recently did our like company values and stuff like that. But the um, and it and it, it was largely asking each of us what you know what the what the things we you know, how we wanted to perceived how we behaved all these sorts of things because largely like core values your core behaviors to a a degree but the um but then you get some people that will literally just pluck things out of the air like and and i we we, on on some level that would work in by going i want to act in this way so i'm going to like conform to these values but then some people i imagine would do it so for instance if they sat in a room with i mean maybe even someone like you know you or you know someone they looked up to and they said you know, you're like, what are your values? And they kind of tried to pick things that were in line with what that, they think that person wanted to hear. And then they go away and they're trying to then behave in a way that really deep down they don't actually value um, <clears throat> or like conform to these, these values that aren't actually true to them. So if that was the case, would that be very obvious, like for that client or, or, would, they, or, would, or would, would it be quite, like, would they run into conflicts quite often in terms of their behaviours and, and you know, implementing strategies of like I'm deciding to behave, you know, in line with this value, but really deep down, yeah, that's, that's what I think Amelia's value is. <laughs> you don't want to know what I value. Um, <laughs> it, yeah, it would, it would, it would be a struggle. The thing is, like what you're saying about modeling your values on somebody else, sometimes that can be really helpful. So yeah, if yeah, you, you so if you look right. at a, a pro bodybuilder and you think they value aesthetics and all of these things above, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I don't know, health and family i don't know like but no but like the thing is these change right so it's not there's no judgment in this they can yeah. change all the time yeah. but if you've got somebody who is a um who's starting out and competing and they look at this pro bodybuilder and say i want to be like that sometimes it can be quite helpful to say right well i wonder what they, they value and to almost try them on a little bit and see how that feels and if it's if it's effective great but if, if you do keep coming up against it this is a really good example of someone who maybe thinks they want to compete, but they haven't done their research. Um, and then they start realizing that actually six months down the line, they, do you know what? They really just want to have a good time and be healthy. Mm. And that's totally okay too. You can see oh, actually that value was not mine. Actually, I just took it from someone else and they're, they'll struggle with it. Um, if you look again in terms of like 
if we take the kind of person-centered approach to therapy and, and move like that's often used in subclinical situations so like moving people away from low mood and anxiety etc to a more stable place often we get this anxiety low mood etc when we our true self is not aligned with our current self so our self-concept and our self-concept is based on like what we call interdicted conditions of worth so values that other people have put onto us so that might be as a woman i get this into every podcast that might be as a woman the patriarchy right <laughs> the patriarchy saying you should be smaller and like more petite and more controllable right and so that's not that that's a condition that's been put on to me as a woman like moving through time so therefore i fall into dieting and actually when i diet i have a bad relationship with food and that's maybe where i would get therapy and it would be like but you'll be shredded so well that is the most important <laughs> thing for me God, i can't even imagine that anymore um but um this is so this is the point right so if i went to therapy at this point they'd be like you we, like where does this need to come from to keep dieting and i'd be like well i'm supposed to be lean why are you supposed to be lean well mm. because my job says that or because the patriarchy says that or whatever it is yeah. say well what do you what do you value um and then and and then when you strip all of that stuff back that's when you come much more to your true self your true values and that's where we get the least anxiety and the least insecurity so if someone's struggling with anxiety i'm not talking like generalized anxiety disorder i'm not talking clinical here i'm talking subclinical if you feel if you feel this is quite spiritual but out of alignment you feel insecure anxious you just you can't put your finger on what it is a lot of the time it's because you are acting out with these values that have been put on you by someone else and we see this a lot in the fitness industry with people who think that they need to be shredded to to be a coach as an example and we've all we're all evidence that you don't have to be (laughs) all the time let's go all the time um and so that can be a like a source of discomfort for people and that then often leads to things like emotionally and binge eating um self-sabotage because we can't figure out why we're doing these, why we're making these, taking these actions. Um, and it's because we're not listening to what we actually truly mm. or personally want and need. So I get tons of clients come to me who want to diet. And then two months later, they're like, oh no, I realize it's not dieting that I want to do. It's actually, I want to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I think that that's the way you say, like trying other people's values on or, or, you know, essentially resonating with someone else that's such a common thing and it shouldn't be dismissed by people like oh that but you got those values from someone else right but they they fit with what i want you mm-hmm. know so and that because that, that's there's I, I know so many people that fit that in and probably resonate with the route that you've taken that's probably how a lot of people come to follow you because they kind of have been down the competing route and then they go actually like maybe this isn't for me and then they kind of come across someone like you who's talked about their experience and how they've changed that and what they learned from it and obviously there were positives from it um mm. it's not all negative in that sense but then being able to relate to that and then essentially take some of those values on and then actually be able to potentially find happiness is... yeah it's like um if you if you're any of you i've not read it but if any of you read atomic habits I haven't no um Ryan yeah Ryan went through it on the portal um literally last week of course he did I miss Ryan um well he talked um James Clear talks about it and and I think I was listening to one of his podcasts um and he was talking about how to become I don't talk about identifying with habits because I don't think personally that 
identifying with these things is helpful. However, he talks about in terms of developing habits and you say, right, what are the habits of this person that I would like to be like? Again, let's come back to the core, whatever their habits are. They get up at 5 a.m., they do X, Y, and Z. And so you try on their habits and that can be really helpful in terms of developing habits. So thinking about who you want to be like and then mimicking that. Um, so I guess it's the same sort of same sort of idea um and but except with values you'll know if you're not mm. if you don't feel them because you won't feel right mm. yeah no that's um that's a very good point um mm. so in terms of back to the therapy stuff which is still this is the therapy stuff but the um because and it kind of relates to this what we're talking about the therapy and coaching are both kind of inherently or well a type of self like well guided self-discovery and and in that they and they overlap in many areas right so which is kind of what we're talking about to a degree here but like have you got clear markers that you look out for um that help identify like when to refer someone out so let's say you've kind of been working with someone for a while and they've you know you've attempted to influence somebody's strategies and things aren't working for them like have you ever had to push push back from like any such recommendations are in sense of like the client doesn't want to be doesn't want to get help doesn't want to be referred out and wants to continue to work with you like do you would you then like i mean i mean given what you're going down the, the route you're going there you're potentially going to be able to then take on that role of having more of an actual direct therapist relationship but have there been times in the past up up until now where you've basically had to kind of abandon the client to their fate because they need to accept they need help or, or like how would you manage that do you know what I think I've done that twice and I've only been online coaching for I think three years or three and a half years or something not that long um I think I've only done that twice yeah I I'm quite a referrer before people even start like mm. because I get a lot of people with eating disorders that come to me then I will I will I will screen them immediately and, and not even start working with them. And I find that quite tough, especially with people who have come from, like, I get a lot of bodybuilders come to me and I can work with them if they've got disordered eating habits or if they're binging to a certain degree. But this is not from bodybuilding that this is happening by any means, but we bodybuilding as a sport attracts a lot of people who potentially have disordered eating habits already. Um but they then develop binge eating disorder and and I find that a lot of them struggle with the acceptance from NHS doctors, therapists, dietitians. They struggle for, with the relatedness of it, like the relatability of things. And so I find it quite hard. Like, for example, a lot of people would, depends on where you go, but some people will be told like, this is what you're going to eat and this is how we're going to do it. And it's quite regimented and it's so opposite to what like people who have come from fitness are used to and their training has to change etc and and I find it I find it quite hard when I have to say like I totally understand and I know that I can help but legally I'm a registered nutritionist and I can't actually do that um and I, I find that quite I find that quite difficult especially because so I'm a registered nutritionist which means I I have to work to a code, code of standards like a code of ethics yeah. but people who are not registered nutritionists you guys will know there's no ethics there conduct there so that's so fantastic we can, we can do whatever we want but this is the point right and you see it so much with binge eating you see people with binge eating taglines in their bio because it's some sort of like it's like clickbait and then they've got no qualifications whatsoever but they get they can call themselves a binge eating specialist because they but they bit used to binge eat and they think that they can fix it and it's rife at the moment and it drives me bonkers because i couldn't do it i wouldn't even though i know that i can help and i speak to binge eating specialists 
who have asked me for some of my work so it's like I know that but I still have to follow a certain thing whereas other people not necessarily and I think that's a that's an issue in itself oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) but I think I think this is where like for me this is where like the therapeutic stuff comes in yeah and so like all of the infographics and stuff I put on Instagram I put them on there yes for people to use themselves for self-help but I also hope that coaches take them and use them Mm. and I know that some of them do because they are basically like I'll put something up there that's an infographic but it's CBT it's cognitive behavioral therapy it's looking at things like um like like reframing for example like Mm. CBT offers in the moment strategies and that's that's basically what I've been doing for my whole coaching career is doing in the moment stuff when you binge eat emotionally there's usually like there's two kind of roots there there's the in the moment stuff you can tackle so if someone feels a certain way how you get them out of that but often what we what I am not qualified to do is the kind of underlying stuff the unmet needs so to speak and we often think of emotionally and as what we're feeling in the moment but again if we look at Maslow Maslow as an example here a lot of the time we emotionally eat because of an unmet need Mm. like like love or connection and so we can't put our finger on it in the moment and so we can give all of these in the moment strategies like cbt stuff dbt act all the stuff um but ultimately if you've got this unmet need and you're emotionally and chronically because of this unmet need it doesn't matter and you do need a you do need a therapist or you need to continuously do that work and so um what was i going to say yeah so the therapy side of it is basically like that's where my like that's where my social media is going now because I just feel that's obviously much more important, mm. especially I think in the fitness industry we just don't have it at mm. the moment. But that, yeah, that's yeah. I mean that's one of the questions I had, I had noted down of like the the differences between CBD uh, CBD CBD <laughs> CBD oil you think no CBT um, ACT so and for those that don't know like cognitive behavioral therapy acceptance and commitment therapy and then dialectical behavioral therapy is dbt like is there i mean you kind of just answered it that cbt is potentially some use more but is there parts of those or one in particular that resonates more with like you and your clients or is, like do you try and encompass them all I, I kind of take all of them um bits of all of them yeah. they are those dbt and cbt are behavioral and they're in the moment and so they are really effective in terms of like i basically have a bank like similar to you with your bank of exercise instructional stuff and um, i'll have a bank of that for um, cbt exercises for emotional or binge eating so Does it, how, do they feature cow with a goatee by any chance sadly not <laughs> <laughs> only people who've seen our exercise library will get that so <laughs> Anyway, I have seen that. Is it the one that's on YouTube? Yeah, Cal just with really rocking the most in like inhuman goatee. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Okay. So yeah, I will. I will. I'm take a look for sure. Um, so no, I don't. I don't have a goatee. I don't have. Yeah, no. But we have a bank, right? So it's like let's let's try. For example, an example might be um, surf the urge, which is a technique used in it's it's used within act so if you look at one day emotional eating workshops they're often focused around act um which is so I, like so when i did my emotional eating workshop for example it was predominantly act focused with some cbt who were in there as well but surfing the urge for example is where you um you get the urge to overeat or binge eat or or drink or smoke whatever it is 
and you rather than distract yourself and rather than try and escape that feeling which is the fundamental reason why most of us will read or binge it's about sitting with that feeling and almost watching the intensity rise like a wave you're surfing the wave um so you watch the intensity rise and you notice the physiological feelings you notice your heart rate you notice the tingly fingers and you sit with it and it's really really uncomfortable um and then you basically ride out and after roughly 30 minutes hopefully that craving should go away um it's it's quite tough and so for some people that's too much but for other people that's really helpful for other people sometimes people need to um like take themselves out of it um is it so the idea behind that one is essentially i mean is it in a in a a sense a form of if you're scared of heights you go to the highest point and you just endure it um, do you know what that is that's part that is part of cbt as well but it's about that's what we call like exposure therapy so that again is a cbt model and this is what you would do with this falls into i'm sure i've spoken about this on your podcast before like unconditional permission to eat where you allow yourself um, allow yourself to eat anything and if we're looking at exposure therapy in terms of people who eat we'll say things like for the next week after lunch every day if you overeat on cream eggs you're going to eat a cream egg every day Mm. and 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 work that into your like whether you track or not ideally at this point you wouldn't be tracking um but that's that like that's the same sort of thing that's exposure therapy so that is part of cbt but i suppose the difference being exposure therapy is more controlled whereas surf the urge would be like it would arise organically and then you've just got to kind of there mm-hmm. at the moment endure it and take control which is a bit less because yeah. unplanned i suppose yeah and then again it's things like um like i spoke about this on, on instagram the other day radical acceptance yeah. which is where you you notice a feeling and you radically accept it you say this feeling is totally normal this feeling is valid this feeling is human mm-hmm. um, i'm going to look at what i can control in this moment and let go what i can't control mm-hmm. um and then and that's part again that's part of cbt so it's a lot of it a lot of the work that i do and a lot of this side of things is about saying okay i feel anxious and then you just say and what mm-hmm. and if you say after okay so what does that mean okay you can sit with it you know and often we're just so quick to get out of it mm-hmm. we're so quick to not want to feel this way and and that's when we end up with exercising or it's like the acting part of that whole process of like there's a stimulus then you think then you feel then you act and then there's a result people don't spend enough time in those to think feel part of it they're just yeah. like, something happens oh i just, I just act they're like oh, slow down like yeah that's the hardest part is the pause if you if you've ever worked with someone who overeats or if you've ever overeaten yourself the hardest the very hardest part is that pause part mm. when you, you you get you eat something or you feel something and you're triggered and then you kind of dissociate mm. and then that's it. And so the, the really hardest part for anyone to do is to take a pause in between that and then say, this is what I feel. And naming your feelings and like emotional literacy is so important. And again, I work a lot with my clients on emotional literacy. We can so easily use words like I feel guilty or I feel, ang- or I feel angry or anxious. And then that's kind of where our vocabulary ends. Mm. And we need to start to understand, like, for example, the difference between guilt and shame, because they they cause us to act in very different ways. Um, and so, again, that's something that I would just do with people and I encourage anyone to do is start working on their their emotional literacy. And it, it, when people like you encourage that kind of pausing and like acknowledging their feelings, I know I, I know you've spoken in some about similar things for but i don't know if this would be where you'd use it of like vocalizing it as opposed to just kind of thinking it like actually saying out loud 
Yeah, I've got my, yeah. yeah. I get my clients to talk out loud all the time. Yeah. Like things like naming their feelings, asking out loud if they're hungry for like before they open a cupboard, say, I'm a hungry for this. Um, asking before you do anything, what is my intent with this? Um, you can do that even before training, like what's my intent? And if it's like to, if you're competing or whatever, it can really help in terms of your drive. So yeah, my clients talk to themselves all the time out loud. Mm. It's more effective when you say it out loud. Yeah. You're accountable. Yeah, 100%. So it kind of leads on nicely to the next question, which would be, you know, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see PTs and coaches make when it comes to this area because obviously and it's quite harsh to say but many are fairly ignorant of how important it is to understand human behavior and why it's so important so is there any insight you could give on where they could course correct in things they're doing mm, I mean a, a ridiculous amount of things that they'll do and you're just like oh. mm. I mean you know I'm going to start with like the grind harder stuff like the as in doing it is great that's that is my core value <laughs> um, it's really detrimental to people and we can use like again we can use cbt as kind of a, a model for why it's so detrimental yeah. often people like again i'll use overeating as an example because that's the easiest one that's what i talk about a lot um but if you've got someone who overeats and they often often people who diet have this need for perfection and that's and and we think that dieting or bodybuilding whatever it is we think that that allows us to be perfect um and therefore it helps us feel enough perfectionism usually comes from a need for acceptance or wanting to feel enough right so i would say 95 percent of people that listen to this podcast are probably perfectionists and so what happens is yeah i'm putting it out there um so what happens though is if we have this kind of core book this comes from this core belief that i'm not quite enough and so i'm going to be 100 percent, and therefore i'm going to be enough and what happens is that people often will slip up on this and they feel really they feel shameful and they feel guilty then they come to their coach and they say i've slept on my diet like i feel really guilty and then a coach says to them you just don't want it enough like you're lacking in willpower what all that does is it confirms to the person that they are not enough. It comes back kind of back around to the front, the start of the cycle. It says, yep, I'm a failure. I'm not enough. And then when you feel not enough, you're much more likely to binge it again because you don't feel like you're worthy. And so it's, it's not on the, like, yes, it's on the client to feel a certain way and to look at their negative thought patterns. But as a coach, if we're saying things that like, we can absolutely say like, look come on you could have done better there that's not what I'm saying here but if someone is feeling guilt and they're feeling shame and then we say you're not trying hard enough or it's not good enough that can exacerbate the cycle and it's it even if you don't care about your client right even if you're one of those coaches that you just care about your results if you care about your results you still have to take this approach because all you're doing is sending your client off to overeat or binge again and start the cycle again and so this kind of comes down to this um uh, unconditional positive regard that I was talking about like we need to be creating that space that allows clients to say anything they want without filling them with guilt and shame shame is the driver for most of our behaviors so if we're as a coach as a coach putting any shame onto our clients like I heard recently someone saying that they weren't allowed to check in because unless they were 100% their coach was like don't check in unless you've done what I need you to do <laughs> classic <laughs> pretty sure that's your job no yeah I'm pretty sure that's when they need to check in more no? um yeah bloody yeah. hell like what's the point so they get an easy check-in that they then have to go okay cool yeah cool bye yeah you've done everything so 
Yeah, like, <laughs> ridiculous, right? It was one of my new clients. She was like, I can't believe that you want me I to say so it was you, Amelia. Yeah. Do you know, this is, a really, this is a really random one, but I think a lot of coaches would benefit from this and their clients would benefit from it. And it doesn't sound like something necessarily obvious, but here we go. Boundaries as a coach, are going to help your client in terms of you setting your boundaries as a way of modeling to your clients this is how you set your boundaries and often what happens when we don't set boundaries is that's when we often like we'll resent people we'll feel angry we'll like we'll get pissed off if someone pushes our boundaries because we've not set them and we don't know what they are so a boundary might be for example like with my clients I won't check my phone after a certain time at night that's my boundary if I let them push that boundary they learn that the pushing that boundary is okay they learn that I don't have solid boundaries and so when it comes to then them working with them being in their day-to-day life if for example they're having dinner with their mom and their mom is like come on just eat what I'm eating just eat what I'm eating and the client's like oh do you know what fine like I can push my boundaries here and then they feel really crap and they've gone off their diet and then they potentially will eat or they just feel crap and they come to you and say I didn't sit to my diet this week and I'm really pissed off because they didn't honor their own boundaries and emotion again with emotionally and that's that's really common with people that they just don't have their boundaries so as coaches we need to have boundaries like so obviously like look I know you only work like nine to five always and never any more than that and that's really awesome because you're setting that boundary for your client that says this is how you do it um but I think as, as coaches we need to be modeling like modeling that behavior I think oh in terms of like I'm way better at that now don't worry about it I actually have I've I'm, I'm... I'm sure. I'm sure you are. Um, so, like, that's one thing. And I think, um, I don't really know what, I mean, there's lots of things. I'm not going to go into, like, this is what I think of certain PTs and all of that stuff. I think that, oh. I think there's a lot of errors that we make <laughs> as a whole in the industry. It was a hideously loaded question, to be fair, that was, like, you know, very, you know, could have landed us in some controversial territory. But, I mean, the biggest thing would be, you know, if you're, I mean, take away from that, if you're not currently um, like making time to learn about this stuff and improve your understanding of it, that's probably the biggest thing you need to course correct. I hate, yeah, I really hate it. I, put, I said something about this the other day, actually, like coaches are like, the best coaches invest in themselves. And it's like, well, do you invest in yourself? Because I'm pretty sure you don't. I'm pretty sure you've done nothing since your PT course. And yet you're encouraging people to spend money on something that you want to spend money on. It drives me bonkers. If your coach is not, if you as a coach are not consistently learning in some way, and or your coach is not then I would question how good of a coach they are like all of my coaches are constantly on courses or doing something yeah. like and then know that I mean I watch how much you guys learn so, so it's true yeah. but that, we, we uh it, it's, that's one of my biggest gripes but obviously you know what can you do the um and then the I said it on Ollie Carson's podcast the other day that you know it's taken a global pandemic you know a global crisis for some people to start taking their education seriously and then as soon as it's over they're going to go okay bye and it's mm. like, that, like that, that's that needs to stay goes hand in hand with what you do responsibility big um yeah the and yeah and it's so you know it doesn't i think it's the people may be but that's where again when there's coaches and maybe we do it to a degree you know they see it people constantly learning like oh my god i've got to do that and it's like you don't need to do that but you know if half an hour a few times a week goes a long way <laughs> yeah and it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be stuff that you spend money on like we're, we're coming out of a pandemic right lots of people can but there's lots of ways you can learn there's so much free stuff i think yeah and i also think that coaches shut down this stuff too much 
like I don't care how many meal plans and how good a coach you are in terms of making people stick to things if these underlying things are not being met it doesn't matter as soon as you take that away from someone they're going to be back where they started like yeah and that's the thing with coaching you want to get them a result right ideally like this is what the, the kind of coaching we believe in get someone the result they want which could look like you know, multiple different things there's no always have to look like they're getting lean but then when they eventually stop which they will no one's going to stay with you forever they're in a place where they can continue to go off and enjoy life and live in a good way rather than go off and be like oh i don't have my coach telling me my meal plan like what what can i eat <laughs> what can i do um you know you want that kind of the autonomy created mm. throughout that process which is obviously an area which comes with understanding this area which is cool and um but i mean stuff you said there on um you know, when if people are more results focused and, you know, they care more about the results than their client, I think that's a big area that we see a lot that it's, it's you know, the industry is rife with people like that and it's not, it's not ideal. Um, so what, like, I have, like, I obviously don't post transformation pictures for my own, again, with my own values, it doesn't fall in line with my own values, but I don't have any issue with that as a concept at all for other people. And I don't have an issue with, like, the, like we are coaches, right? results are really important but it's it's my my issue is when it's above and beyond everything else and there's no there's no context behind it like I could put if I had clients 10 clients that came to me that were overeating I could put all of them on a meal plan for eight weeks they would all lose weight and they would all probably stop binging for eight weeks like that's I would say I could be pretty sure on that as long as they're checking in with me each week um and then as soon as they come off it they're absolutely screwed again and so and we see this a lot we see this a lot with people who diet and bodybuild like you do like people who go into preps and come out and go in and go out eventually that stops and when you don't have that structure anymore n- nothing's gone away like all of those feelings those unmet needs those emotional responses that inability to feel your feelings which is generally the reason that we overeat and emotionally eat that's all still there unless you've done that work it, it, it doesn't help so yes you've got two years of lean pictures and trophies etc for that two years on social media for your coaching business but then what happens after that it's not great and I think as coaches we need to start taking more responsibility for how like you know you want your client to leave better than when they started and you can put them through three transformations and they'll still be better than when they started in terms of their health and that's great when we take this holistic approach but if you're not even considering it then like I find that morally quite difficult to sit with and I was speaking to Emma about this on our live last night in terms of diet and like I morally find it quite difficult now to to diet clients who are quote-unquote healthy BMI um and they come to me and they say they want to get leaner I find it difficult now because I because morally I think dieting now when you're healthy is unhealthy for you because it increases your risk of disordered eating, it increases your risk of poor body image um, and you're depriving yourself of nutrients and you're already healthy we could work on your health and nutrition so much more by not dieting. And so like, I'm not anti-diet and I think loads of people benefit from diet and I support people who diet when they leave. I diet people when they're, they're healthy. Like, don't get me wrong. I still do that, but I, I have to do a lot of work in terms of figuring out why they want it because if they yeah. want it to be accepted, I'm like, I, that you're not going to get accepted this way and you need to figure out another way to do it. And no doubt then the strategies you use during the diet so how you set that up and how you bring mm. it through it vastly different yeah because you've got to maintain that healthy approach right yeah yeah which is yeah i agree um big i mean there's a lot 
a lot that can be done with that. But then again, I mean, that kind of brings me to the, you know, in terms of recommended resources and, and places, you know, coaches and PTs that are looking to develop their understanding of this area. Like I know EIQ is a, is a great place to start and that's largely, that was like the, you know, the basis for it, you know, emotional intelligence, nutrition. <laughs> yeah. um, because that, and that's when it comes to like blending the nutrition side with this area but are there any other books you could recommend individuals to learn from places like that you know that you could that would be good mm-hmm. you, know, you know when we just said like people that may come out of this pandemic with maybe not the, the greatest amount of um you know expendable assets to go and you know mm. go and, yeah you know. yeah i mean I'm just trying to think. I'm just going to look at my bookshelf and see if I can pick out any books. Um, if you're interested in like compassion and overeating, that type of stuff, the best book on that is, is called Overcoming Bingeing specifically. It's not specifically, it's just Overcoming Bingeing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's quite a nice introduction to these types of concepts. Motivational interviewing books, courses, um, YouTube's got tons of motivational interviewing stuff. That's really helpful because it it helps you as a coach to start thinking about how you pose questions to clients rather than it becomes much less about you prescribing and much more about your client telling you what they need and you feeding back based on that. Motivational interviewing is really important. Um, and if you can't do EIQ, like Emma um, and I have done so many free lives on my Instagram that, that cover EIQ stuff. Um, I would recommend watching those and skipping over the stuff that you don't like. Um, I'm sure there'll be lots in there. In terms of the book, Overcoming Binge Eating, who who wrote that? Fairburn. Christopher Fairburn, I think that's his first name. Sure. Fairburn, certainly, second. Yeah, there we go. So good resources. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, take takeaway here is people, if you don't currently have a, a great understanding of this area, then this is a good place for you to start going and brushing up on. Um, and also yeah follow like follow therapists and psychologists on instagram yeah, yeah, like yeah. just just so you can get an idea of like how they speak because that's really helpful you can start mod- like that's free and you can start modeling your stuff on how they speak that's helpful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think the the you know you mentioned it towards the beginning that you know you have a because you're a registered nutritionist you, you have a code of ethics and that you have to abide by i think <laughs> i was i had this this conversation the other day that it, and then it's in our you know, our mission statement is is involves, you know, the word ethical in terms of helping people achieve results in the most efficient and ethical manner possible. So it's understanding these areas and kind of getting them to their results that in, in a way that can give them, you know, or aid them in kind of maintaining some sort of healthy approach to life, which, which yeah. and that comes in all areas. You know, we talk, we talk about mechanics and it comes under that, you know, there's a lot of people that don't understand the forces that they apply to people's anatomy and there's, a very good reason why you should because it can help you don't (laughs) that's that's literally like what got me by into when i came on your course when you guys were talking about that all of that stuff in relation to health i was like like i I can i can see where this aligns now and i can get on board with that because before it would be like this is all very complex and and cool Mm -hmm. but i don't necessarily see the relevance and then as soon as you start talking about that for me in terms of my client base i was like oh okay but that's why i'm so like i'm so grateful for like your presence in terms of especially within bodybuilding I wish that there was that when I started competing and I wish I had co- like coaches like you guys in terms of competing and I and I still would recommend people to come to you in terms of I'm just so grateful that there's people that are willing to have a much more open mind to things whilst mm. also obviously being 
well into the nitty-gritty of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but it's a bit, yeah, and that, it, it, uh, well, thank you for one. That's very kind. Um, and likewise, I mean, we recommend, I, I'm regularly referring everyone over to ERQ and stuff like that because it is fantastic. But the, um, the yeah, that, that that's a probably a very key takeaway from this discussion that although we don't have like an objective ethical you know code that we we need to like we're held accountable to as, as coaches there's nothing stopping you enforcing something like that yourself you know having kind of values or just guidelines that you you operate under um and that kind of keep all these these areas in check and that comes from understanding them obviously there's if there's you know you need to understand these 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 boundaries and these areas that you're kind of that are within your wheelhouse because obviously even going down the behavioral route you're quite easy to step out the wheelhouse um and um so it's um making sure that you're not overstepping on that front we yeah we see that all the time people in the nutrition side of things giving advice we're like i don't think that's in your remit as a coach um and then the same on you know in all these areas so it's uh yeah getting that in check but so what's the um what's planned next i mean is it simply just a case of continuing to pursue the the therapy angle have you got other stuff in the pipeline um i've got a few other things coming up but mostly the therapy side of stuff like that's i never really thought about it it's like i'm doing like this fast track course and i was like yeah of course i'll do i'll say yes i'll do that i'll start in a week and then i realized it's like a year's worth of contents but put into six months and i'm like oh this is why i'm getting up at 5am every day because i literally just have just taken on another full-time thing in two days um so like I'm putting a lot of focus into that and my team is growing, which is great. Um yeah, I, that's it. That's all I've got in me. That <laughs> <laughs> is cool. I'm I'm I am excited to see where it where it takes you in your business. But the um so where I mean Amelia Thompson PhD, that's where everyone mm-hmm. can find you. And EIQ. EIQ underscore nutrition. I am actually running an online seminar at some point soon for coaches in terms of the emotional eating stuff and the holistic stuff. Um, it'll be like a one-day webinar. I've done one for for quote-unquote clients, um, but I will be running that in terms of the evidence base behind it. And so if it's something that you're interested in in terms of implementing some of these strategies and getting the details of these strategies that you can use with clients, and I, like, I don't do sales as much, but I would really genuinely recommend it people are interested in that that they come on the, the webinar which will be released soon yeah that's cool um and then in terms of the eiq stuff like the website and the place everyone can go for that i mean when's the next intake so i know that one's it is open it yeah. is open the early bird finishes on the 7th of yeah. april before, yeah 7th of april and the intake starts on the 4th of may um and then the next one won't, won't be until september so they run every four months yeah. and each okay. each course is four months long Boom. yeah because i think for those who don't know it's like i mean our our one is a jump on whatever you want but like eoq you obviously have to be quite on it mm-hmm. <laughs> we do indeed yeah so that's cool um when i thank you for coming on that was a cool conversation i really enjoyed that um thank you super super interesting stuff um and we will no doubt get you on again at some point soon. Bye. <laughs> so thank you thanks Thank you for listening to the Muscle Mentors podcast. Just a quick shout out to our sponsors who support the channel and everything we do in the realms of education and coaching within the industry. Firstly, our original sponsor, Supplement Needs. They've been with us from the start. If you're seeking the highest quality supplements on the market, particularly organ support and health orientated products, you can use code Muscle Mentors at checkout for 10% off your order. Precision Prep. 
our recently introduced food preparation partner delivering the finest quality meal prep across the UK, featuring their new Pro Prep range, a concept closely developed with us to solve an issue we see day to day with time limitations and nutritional compromise. If you're seeking the highest quality nutrition delivered to your door for the best price, look no further. Use code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for 15% off your first order and 10% thereafter. And lastly, RAR Optics, the highest grade blue light, blue light blocking glasses on the market with the slickest style. In a world filled with artificial light, particularly those with high screen time, I can certainly say I'm one of them. These can be a real game changer for sleep quality and recovery, something we use personally on a day-to-day -day basis. Grab yourself a pair by using code MUSCLEMENTALS at checkout for money off all orders. Once again, thank you for your continued support. Until next time.